What's up, everybody? Dr. Matt Pennell here at Element Health and Wellness bringing you the newest episode of the First Five Podcast. I'm excited today. We have a special guest, Dr. Jordan Burns, with us. He's up in Indianapolis. He's a chiropractor, went over to Logan University. We're excited. He's, uh, he's grown himself a nice little online following. He is a business owner now as well, so we got a lot to catch up on. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jordan Burns. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you, and I really want to you know, start this off right. So give us a little background as to you know, who you are, how you got to Indianapolis, and you know, talk about the new family, being a dad, all the good stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, been in Indianapolis for about three and a half years now. Um, I met my wife. I've had, honestly, 2020 was by far the best year of my entire life, um, mainly just personally. Professionally, it was also the best year, but personally, it's just kind of a wild ride. I got engaged in January. Ten days later, we found out we were pregnant. So we had actually booked our wedding two days prior to that. So the day after we found out we were pregnant, we canceled our wedding. And then we got married March 7th, which happened to be four days before it was called a pandemic. So we got married the last weekend we possibly could have got married before the pandemic happened. And then uh, our daughter was born in October. And here we are. But yeah, became a business owner at the end of 2019. So my first year as a business owner, my first year as a husband was 2020. What a, what a crazy year to kick it all off, huh? Yeah. Honestly, the, I mean, as you know, the best year for personal growth that I've ever had. I love it. You know, let's, let's rewind a little bit. And so in college, you went to University of Indiana, you ran track, came over to Logan. Kind of talk me through that process of why you wanted to become a chiropractor and that brought you over to Logan. Yeah. So I played four sports in high school and... I was from a really small high school, so anytime you'd have an injury of any kind, you would go to a physical therapist. There was not a chiropractor in my hometown. There was, I mean, I don't even honestly know when the term chiropractic came into my life. It might have been when I was in college. Um, Ran track at IU, had a a rib subluxate my junior year, and when that happened, you know, I had this stabbing mid-back pain, never been to a chiropractor, didn't know anything about it. Went to the training room, had Graston done. It helped, but didn't alleviate the pain fully. So they had a chiropractor come into the training room that week. Um, she couldn't get the rib to move. So I don't honestly remember why I thought that was the answer, but I just seeked another chiropractor out in town. One adjustment stood up and was just like, what is this witchcraft? I'm 100% you know, pain-free. How did this happen? What is this? And I think for me, it was even something that I understood, like as a high school athlete, I, like when I was sick, I always would go to the store and buy like a gallon of orange juice. Now I wouldn't do that because of the sugar content, but like I understood why am I sick? It's not because I'm deficient in, you know, whatever sinus congestion medicine somebody wanted to give me. It was, I play four sports. So I burn the candle at both ends. I'm not sleeping enough. I'm 18. So I obviously eat McDonald's and treat my body like garbage because I can. So I think chiropractic was the the hidden profession for me that I just didn't know existed. It was something that, yeah, I mean, the body heals from the inside out, and the power that made the body heals the body. Makes sense. Cool. 
You know, it's funny that you talked about the rib subluxation because even I've heard multiple chiropractic stories talk about, you know, somebody had a problem breathing or, you know, they're having an issue, mid back pain, central, like they thought it was a heart attack, whatever, like it was radiating around to the front of their chest. Uh, hockey stories, football stories, and it seems to start with this rib subluxation that other people are having a difficult time figuring out, and then here we go, yeah. and then it's a good introduction into chiropractic. It's pretty wild, isn't it? I thought my I thought my lung collapsed. <laughs> like I had <laughs> I had never. I remember thinking that because we were maxing out on hang clean. So I mean, I was obviously breathing heavy, had too much weight on the bar. Do it, and I'm just getting this stabbing back pain. It's not going away. It's not giving up. I'm breathing heavy. And even back then, I, I mean, that was 2010, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of the diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing, right, at least right. not in my universe being talked about. So, I mean, I was taking a lot of chest breaths and, you know, trying to calm my breath down by taking big chest breaths. And I'm like, this is just making it worse. I was even walking on a treadmill and I remember looking at our trainer being like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I need help. <laughs> yeah. I can't breathe. Makes it really difficult. And you know, plenty of times, I'm sure that you've seen it a lot in your office too, where patients will come in and they're having this pain just inside of their scapula or shoulder blade and, and it goes out to the shoulder and there may be a couple things involved, but a lot of times it's a rib, it's, you know, the upper cross syndrome, the tight flexor muscles and all of that stuff. So it's just, it's amazing how that rib subluxation continues to go through and typically, not always, but it typically it's a pretty easy adjustment for chiropractic. Yeah. You know, uh, there there are obviously a couple instances where it's more difficult to move or somebody's really inflamed, the, the muscles tight and tense. But generally speaking, that's something that we see on a regular basis. So oh, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the most common things I would say that comes in the office. No doubt. So what is something, let's just touch on that real quick and, you know, give me a, a brief 30 seconds. But somebody comes into your office, right, and you determine that there is rib pain, rib subluxation, dysfunction, whatever you want to refer to it as, all chiros talk about a little bit differently, but what's your general approach if somebody does come in? Uh, well, I feel like even with a rib, I still do like the normal protocol of more calling it a T-spine issue. I try, I always try to relate and regurgitate to them how it's related to the spine first. Uh, but I would do the same thing that the that would happen to me. I would do Graston, and then I would adjust them. That's pretty well the the normal protocol that I would do. Sometimes I do cupping, but typically not enough first cool. visit. Yeah, and it's funny. We all went to the same school, or or at least a lot. You know, the Logan students went to the same school, and we went through the process. Yeah. We had the same teachers for the most part, and it's funny how different, same, similar mindset, right? A lot of similarities, but how different chiropractors go from person to person. So I want the students that eventually will be listening to this to understand that you do it your way, right? There are a lot of different... Totally. Don't let anybody <laughs> tell you what to do, yeah. <laughs> what your philosophy is, what your belief system is. Just do you. There are plenty of chiropractors, I feel like, that, well, obviously, they just want to adjust people. And that's great. Like, I don't have any issue with that. And it's not your place to tell me not to do soft tissue work or not to do exercises and call people like physical therapists because they do that it's totally fine. You practice what you believe helps people. That's the point. 100%. Well, I don't know if it was you, but in school, I was definitely looking for answers, though. I was asking professors, like, how should I do this? You know, what what is the right yeah. way to do it? And, and that's what's really difficult, I think, even as an instructor. And I don't know if you've had an opportunity to teach, like, in the school setting. I'm sure within your own office, you guys have 
have taught and you teach patients, but it's really difficult to get that point across that it's not that I don't want to help you figure out the right answer, but there is no right answer towards the way that you should practice it. You have to figure it out for yourself. And that's why taking seminars and, and paying attention class and working on things outside of it, you start to formulate what is you. And having mentors that even if they don't practice exactly the way that you do, even if it's a mindset, whatever, it, it helps, I guess, put you on the right path. What was your experience with figuring that out? I think the biggest benefit for me, so my first year in practice, I was in Bloomington, Indiana, and I was with one doc. I think a lot of my adjusting skills developed tremendously through him because he just really did adjustments. He didn't do a lot of like soft tissue work. So I feel like I I got a lot better at adjusting people in my first year. Um, And then I think a huge benefit of just my office in particular is that we've got five docs. So I have four other people to learn from every single day and we have an open setting to where all five of us are out in this open area so i mean i'm hearing the way they communicate to patients i'm seeing the way they adjust people like we're always working on each other talking about different patients i mean it's a huge benefit for our office to just have different people to talk to two of the guys have been in practice for 10 plus years ian's just a year younger than me and one of the other docs just started so i mean he's still like a wealth of knowledge in terms of <laughs> like boards and all that stuff yeah. you just took them yeah so, no i think i, love I think that. that's it and it's just like you said it's time and experience like definitely i think back because i tell the the new guy that all the time like i practice significantly different than i used to and i think a big benefit of social media now is you know yeah videoing adjustments get you social media followings or likes or follows or shares whatever but it's also like watching your tape in sports. Like I'm watching myself adjust and I get better at it. Like I'm way better at adjusting at the beginning of this year than I was at the beginning of last year. Just simply from watching my videos, watching your videos, watching you know Matt Delgado, whoever other chiropractors that are out there. Like that's it. It's no, experience. I, I'm with you. A couple things. I, I like what you touched on with the other chiropractors in your office. I've noticed that you know when I was at Performance. You know, we had three other docs and it was, you know, we were adjusting each other frequently. We were, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. And I have found that since I'm solo practitioner down here in Dallas, like once in a while, I'll lean on some people around. But you're right, like from a from a communication standpoint, it's done more virtual at this point than being in house. And, and I will say that it was a difficult transition trying to figure that out, because now one, I'm not even getting adjusted nearly as much. And I do think it's important for chiropractors, like we're working on people all the time. Like I encourage the, the, you know, the audience (laughs) and chiros listening, like make sure that you're getting adjusted too, because it's very difficult to talk to other people about the importance of getting adjusted when you're not doing it yourself. But that's why important, you know, putting that, that time aside. The other thing is, you know, I feel like coming out of school, well, definitely in school and coming out of school, there's a lot of ego involved with a lot of different, you know, people where we all think that we know what's going on. One, we think we have enough knowledge to make it in the real world coming out of school because, of course, we know everything and we're great adjusters and all this stuff. And if you can open your, your eyes and ears enough to pay attention to what other people are doing, at least in the right way of, hey, I can learn from this and grow, it can be really beneficial, like you said, with uh, – dr matt or you know watching your videos or whatever and and you're right like 
I've seen even in my own videos where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a lot more rounded in a posture when I should have more of a straight back or my neck is way tucked down. It's like, it's just like doing a, a, a lift in the gym. It's like you're, you're, you're taking yeah. in that feedback. So it, it is really interesting to see, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it, those are the things I do notice the most. It's either I've got like too much flexion in my mid back yeah. or like my shoulders kind of winged a little bit more. Um, it was funny you talked about the ego thing. So one of the, one of the docs at our office actually sent me a chart recently and it was talking about like when you first get in practice as to where you're more like a seasoned vet Mm -hmm. and it, the chart was confidence and like what, you know, (laughs) and when you first start in practice, it was like confidence is up here and what, you know, is basically like nothing. And then (laughs) you like, you lose your confidence as you you lose your confidence as you start to gain more knowledge. And then by the end, when you're like, you know, you're 10,000 hours, whenever you're a master or whatever, your confidence goes back up, but it never reaches how confident you were when you first started. I thought it was really interesting because I was like, yeah, because you just, it's, you don't know what you don't know. So you come out into practice and you're just like, I'm going to change the world, baby, with adjustments. Let's go. No, you're, you're right. And I've heard a lot of uh, people that I consider mentors talk about it now. And I, like whether that's from a podcast, or like there's one podcaster particularly that comes to mind where I remember listening to him in 2015 or 16 and, you know, them being really over the top and like super confident. You're like, oh, shit. OK, like dude knows. And then yeah. now <laughs> 2019, 2020, they're like, Dude, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about at that point. Like, I knew more than I did in 2010, but that's way less than I know now. And, like, just a total different approach. And you can see how people start to change their mentality, change just how they speak to people, how they podcast, the whole deal. Like, you can see that growth process. And so for the people coming out of school, I will say, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start figuring it out. But know that it's also okay to evolve in time and to become a better person and a better chiropractor, a better family man, whatever. Like it doesn't have to just be one thing and, and it do, you don't have to be in practice for 50 years to gain some knowledge. Like each year you see yourself evolving just like we did as try seven, try eight, try nine. Each year it was different. Yeah, totally agree, man. So why did you decide to become a chiropractor outside of your, your experience with the rib subluxation? Like what brought you in more than just the adjustment piece of it what did you want to do with chiropractic that like hey i can make a career out of this again i mean i feel like that develops more and more every day but i think the overwhelming thing is you know i believe we're the most important profession on earth i I really do listen to that that. listen to it here (laughs) like i think when you talk about again the the spiritual aspect of it the 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 power that made the body heals the body. And even as a young kid, like I said, I, I understood that concept. You know, if I'm in pain, why am I in pain? We're a doctor that teaches. Doctor means to teach. Like we're a profession that teaches, you know, better nutrition, better mindset, better physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Like that's what our profession is. Like when you th- talk about the three T's, thoughts, traumas, and toxins, like improving our positive stressors, giving rid of our negative stressors like what other profession really hits all of those things and like hands-on helps people yeah you know what i I was uh (laughs) i was getting a little lost into into the words there this i mean i think like this is a a controversial topic for sure uh definitely you know something that we could get into a little deeper 
I, I so here's, hundred, here's hundred, one. Go ahead. Go ahead. One way I feel about it. I feel like why chiropractic does get controversial misconception stereotypes is because since 1895, when it was made, it hasn't really changed much. It is, you know, it's BJ Palmer. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. Like, it's the power that made the body heals the body. And pe- that doesn't sit right with people. It's like it's too easy. Like, mm-hmm. you adjust the spine and, you know, feed it proper nutrition, feed it proper mindset, exercise. Like, that seems too simple. Whereas what we're fed, the narrative we're fed with mainstream medicine is drugs. You know, we're one of two countries in the world that's it's legal to have prescription drugs marketed to us. Like, mm-hmm. that's insane. It, it pumps up drug prescriptions, and, like, every year there's more and more drugs that are produced. Why? Because they don't work. Chiropractic is, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, I think... Yeah, you know, man. So a lot of different elements to, to this topic as to why chiropractic is significant, why it's, why it's a great profession. I think one thing that I have found, and whether this is you know, medical side of things with my family, whether this is, you know, medical yeah. that I've seen with other people, I will say that some professions, and I'm not trying to throw out anyone specifically, but some professions based in medicine, they'll look at blood tests, let's say, and they'll see that, you know, there's a high or low number and it's, oh, that's normal. It's like, well, is that really normal? Because, you know, if the low end is 20 and the high end is 80 and I'm at 21, is that really normal? You know, things like that, that I feel chiropractors and functional medicine start to dive a little deeper into some of these issues and like, hey, why is this the case? And that is something that has troubled me about some of the medical profession in regards to um, just the types of treatment and the way that things go. And something that I do feel chiropractic and, and that more functional medicine approach can be better. I do think there's a time and place for a lot of things, but I personally feel that where chiropractors essentially mess it up is by our mixed signals that we send based on what is our mindset and how do we communicate that with the public and patients? Like, you know, there are 20 different chiropractors and all say something different and all have a little different approach. And I think, you know, that's why chiropractors start to, I think, fall into the same like mastermind or or group or just communicate with each other because we have you know even though you and I adjust differently we still are trying to get the same result and talk very similarly to our patients but there are some that seem so off the map that when other people are listening it's like dude what are you even talking about and I like from a chiropractor I'm saying that like I don't even know where the hell you're coming from with this statement you know and it's tough for me to give an exact yeah. example, but we've all seen those space cadets, if you will, where you're like, "What? where is this going? I will say this, though, okay? Coming back to the do it how you want and how you can make it work, right? If you're an upper cervical doc, you can make that work. I'm not knocking that. If you're Absolutely. a diversified full spine, do it. What I will say, though, is that we do need to, over time as a profession, figure out a way that is more mainstream that we can all communicate the same message even if we have a different approach what's your thought on that doc no i think you're right and i think again it comes back to the power that made the body heals the body because i agree like upper cervical maximize living you know whatever business model whatever philosophy you have whatever techniques you do like there's so much variability in our profession as you know with the science art and philosophy of it but 
the whole point is you are trying to help people heal and help people live healthier. That is the underlying, overlying, whatever point of everything that we're doing. One point that I wanted to go back to of what you said was, you know, mainstream medicine, it is, it's checking numbers on blood tests. But the issue is, yeah, Dr. Hillgartner, dude, I fall in love with this guy more and more as I'm in practice because I realize how much I should have loved and listened to his class more and more of the philosophy side of chiropractic. He would always say the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your questions. And for me, like that's probably honestly my favorite quote anymore is because for for instance, you know, we do a study on a cholesterol drug, that cholesterol drug, the study says, does this cholesterol drug change a person's cholesterol? The answer is yes. So that means, yay, study's great. It doesn't ask, does this cholesterol drug make somebody healthier? Does this cholesterol drug change why the blood test changed in the first place? Very true. Like why, why did the blood work change in the first place? It was diet and exercise most of the time. Yep. Yeah, and too many people, I think, it almost seems like at times, again, there's a time and place for everything, but at times people yes. lean on the drugs in, in the, the mainstream medicine as a way to essentially be lazy through the process, right? Like you want to, like you just said, you want to lower cholesterol, you want to lower blood pressure. And instead of, hey, getting out and walking more and changing diet, the things that actually will make a difference for you long term, it's, oh, let me take this drug for one thing and let me take this drug for another thing and this, and then I'll just continue to live my life exactly the same way. Guess what? It doesn't right. work. I mean, you, you I can, think you the, can load up the meds, and it's just it's, it, you're not going to get where you want to be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. <laughs> Sorry, get a little fired up on I, that one. <laughs> no, we're both fired up. I, I think it's the like you said, it's it's the time and place for yeah, everything. Yeah. I feel like every post that I make, I have to make a disclaimer of like. This doesn't include immunocompromised people. Yeah. Obviously, acute yeah. emergency healthcare are important. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's not what I'm speaking to. Yeah. It's not that all drugs and surgery are bad. There's a time and place for everything. Yeah, and you do. You know, you do a really good job with your social media. You take a little different approach than than what I have in the past. Um, I can see where you're saying. Like, you definitely run it on the side of, and I'm just looking at your page a little bit here, of where people could get a little pissy pants about you know, what's being spoken about in, in immune, you know, an immune system or pills and yeah. drugs and whatever. And you know what, that's fine. Like, as long as you come from a place that is educated, like that's, that's the other thing. When people make posts, it's like, do you have an educated standpoint, you know, when you're creating a, a social media post, like, what are you trying to accomplish? And I think, you know, you doing this back end research and seeing it and living it every day, people understand where you're coming from because hey that's where you are and the other thing is you got to take a stand on something or your page will get washed out completely totally man i agree i think this year really helped me just be firm in my beliefs and stand up for what i believe in and speak out because one i'm a healthcare professional a natural healthcare professional and a small business owner so i have a lot of opinions and beliefs that millions of people have but they don't feel comfortable speaking about them because one they could lose their job i'm a business owner i don't have to worry about losing my job because I don't have anybody above me to tell me what I can and cannot say, and I'm a natural healthcare provider, so I feel like, yeah, I'm obligated to speak on topics that are controversial, that it's important about health. Like, that's the number one thing about 2020. You know, we're, yeah. we're not talking about things that promote health. We're talking about things that promote sickness care. Do you ever think about the potentially, you know, 
negative side effects that could come from posting in regards to, hey, does a patient see this and and get pissy? You know, do you get any feedback or or negative feedback on that stuff? Just talk through that process because I think that's a, a, a main one that worries a lot of people. It's worried me in the past. It still worries me at times today, depending on what the topic is. I have 100% lost patience from my social media. Interesting. I have gained what I have gained way more than I have lost, but I have definitely lost because yeah. not everybody's going to agree with me, man. I mean, for like, sure. And that's okay. Yep. Like I can't live my life worried about what people on Instagram think about me and right. what people in the community think about me. Like I listened to an Ed Milet podcast like three years ago, mm-hmm. and it talked about you know focusing on the main characters in your life, thinking about your life as like a Broadway show. And for me, you know, my friends and family, they'll tell me if I'm off kilter on a topic you know yeah. if i'm saying yeah if, if i'm out of yeah, line yeah. on something like trust me my wife will tell me if i'm doing something <laughs> that's not okay For or that's sure. like mean Pe- most yeah. people that know me especially personally know that i'm right. coming from a place of love i'm coming from a place of talking about health like i'm not trying to be mean or manipulative in any way like what's the benefit of me you know questioning a vaccine or like me questioning drugs like there's no benefit to me it's just questioning more things i think as a society that's something that we don't do enough we just take stuff because people tell us to believe something and that's not the way i'm going to live my life and it's not what i want to preach in terms of health i agree and i think what's what's funny i've just got one instance of this that i can think of specifically but i shared a post one time it didn't really talk too much about it. it was just you know hey i i agree and appreciate this and somebody a friend of mine messaged me and said Man, I definitely agree too, but I was scared to repost that thinking that I was going to get some backlash. I'm like, well, if if you're doing it because you truly feel it, you don't really care. You know, I've, I've shared things yeah. that I'm like kind of on the fence about, and then if somebody gives me backlash, I'm like, ah, shit, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But if you truly yeah. – but that's the difference between really feeling it and believing in it because if you do, and I'm like, go for it. What, what are they going to say? You know, and, and if they do come at me about it, I'll survive. Like I can take a little backlash. I will say this also that sometimes creating a little adversity is not a bad thing either, right? Like all of our posts and all of our information shouldn't be just for the vanilla neutral, whatever, because if like, do you want, I I don't want to be right. Do you want every single person that is on your page to just solely agree with everything and move on? Chances are a bunch of them won't anyway. They're just not going to say a whole lot. But it's funny. I still remember this this uh, man. This one page. Ah, man, the, now the name's slipping me. But anyway, it was a it was a page that this guy put together. He was a club promoter, and he purposely put up the most like obscene stuff and controversial images, and people would just go crazy on his page. But his responses actually, you could tell like he was a pretty genuine guy, and he's like, guys you're doing my job for me. Like I'm getting paid for this page and you are just blowing up the comments and making all these things. Like he was purposely creating a controversial page that drew a lot of attention to these clubs and he was getting paid tons of money for it. Maybe those weren't even his beliefs, but he was willing to just throw it out there. (laughs) I'm not saying that approach is right, but you have to, you have to kind of figure that out for yourself. Totally. I mean, it's developing your marketing strategy. What was, what was the point in time? Bad publicity. Definitely. What was the point in time? Was it just 2020 or what was your, your point in time where you go, hey, you know what? I'm going to roll with the things that I think. I'm going to you know, put the information out that I want and it is what it is. <sighs> yeah, I would say 2020 was probably okay. that shift. 
of standing like firm in my belief system because a lot of I think you know I think vaccines have been a controversial topic for a long time this is just the first year where it's been such a public topic and it's you know it's given me kind of more confidence because I have read more into you know the long-term effects the efficacy of everything that's going on and giving me a foot to stand on of like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to stand firm in my beliefs. You know, I became a husband this year. I became a father this year. And that is one thing I want to instill in my family is standing what standing up for what you believe in. I would assume that as you start a family, I've seen it a little bit as I've, as I've been married, but I'm sure even as you start to have kids, you have to in some way create a whole different level of backbone and support, right? Because now you're not only standing for yourself Absolutely. and your, and your significant other, but now you're standing for what your family's going to, you know, evolve into. It's gotta be a really interesting mindset as you, as you change. It is, man, because like, as you know, I mean, the two biggest thing, you know, you want to have self-control and integrity and having a daughter drives that more than ever before. Like the number one things I want for her, I want her to see me read every day. I want her to see me work out every day. If I can just instill in the fact of being healthy in mind and body, that's really all I can do for her. You know, like if I can instill those two things and practice what I preach, that's been the number one thing 2020 gave me was discipline to practice what I preach every day, yeah. every day. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Do you feel like, uh, you know, as, as you've become a dad here that, I don't know, you have to, I'm sure that you have to stand behind the things that you say, but you also start to realize, you know, as, as kids, how much information we actually carried over to us you know like at our house christmas was always a big thing you know and and now guess what like we consider christmas to be a big deal you know and that's a very like small and 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 different topic but you know the the you start to understand like how much as a kid those little memories those little things the trips you know the the way that your parents communicated with you and and what you were allowed to do all those things like how it started to shape your life down the road and then in turn how totally it's going to be so important with what you do at that point as your kids are, are younger how's that mindset yeah shifted a bit i was reading something this morning that was talking about this it was talking about how like our parents you know shape our emotional and behavioral habits which makes sense and it's i forget it said something funny it was talking about how you know most adults aren't adults they're just traumatized children that are older <laughs> it's true it's true. And when you th- and when you think about yeah, and when you think about it it's like, you know, the majority of people are not like conscious adults and like aware yeah. of, yeah. you know, their past childhood traumas, their past limiting beliefs and all these things that we were programmed to believe at such a young age and then all of a sudden we're into adulthood and nothing has really like changed or been altered. Yeah, very true. What did you ask me? I kind of went off no, on the No, no, you you're you're good. I was really just talking about how the mindset shifts of, you know, we grow up as kids through that, um, through that nurturing phase, I guess. And then as we become adults and then start to understand the effects of, you know, what our parents did for us, the good, the bad, you know, whatever that is. And every family is, is obviously different, but then how much it's going to make a difference when the way that we shape our kids' lives as well. That's really what it came down to. So, you know, as, as we go forward, what I want to get a little bit more into chiropractic now, as I guess we've gone back and forth with it, but what, what does success look like for you chiropractic-wise? 
what does success look like for me chiropractic wise? I like it. Um, you know, I think just day in and day out, knowing that I'm making a positive impact to people's lives. You know, when someone leaves the office, I know that I have the ability to improve the health, happiness, and quality of the life of that person. Like, that's success for me. It doesn't necessarily come from, you know, a number of patients a week, uh, a dollar amount. Like, all of that kind of comes with time. It's just knowing in my heart that I'm able to help people. In, you know, I do feel that in time as we're helping people as our as our practice is growing the, the better that we can treat people the better outcomes we get the more that the business will grow and the more money that we'll make yeah. but i i do feel it's also okay to have some selfish side i feel like a lot of times and i'm not saying this specifically towards you but i'm saying like when i talk to people a lot and you probably see it a ton too people always want to give you the political the right answer it's like the the feel-good answer but you know there's some there's there's always a selfish side to it too you know for you Dr. Burns, for you, Jordan, what what do you want to get to, right? Because yes, we want to help people, uh, but there's there's got to be a little even deeper drive as to, hey, I want to make X amount of money. I want to grow this practices. I want to make a name as a business owner. Like the students out there, I want you to know that like it's okay to help money and it's okay to have big goals to be a financial totally. success also. Yeah, I think for me, the number of patients a week is 125. If I can be consistently seeing over 125, I'm happy. Um, you know, there's, what, what, and there's, why, again, there's let me, plenty let me, of office. Let me dive a little deeper, sorry. Why why 125? What does that mean to you? Is it a big financial goal? Is it a personal goal? What is it? It's all the above. It's, Good, yeah. I, my personal philosophy, again, there's plenty of chiropractors that see way more than that. There's chiropractors that see less than that. Yeah. 125 for me is the amount of people I feel like I can see comfortably in a week where I'm spending time with them, giving them the quality of care that I want to give them, them feeling like they're getting the quality of care from me. And yeah, I'm making good 125 money wise is kind of that, that threshold in my opinion of once you're hitting that, like you're, you're good. Um, a year, I think it, I think a lot of my mindset shifted too was whenever I was an employee at my office and I made six figures. Whenever I saw that tax return and I was like, oh, I made six figures this year as a lowly employee, that was when it hit for me of like, okay, and now I'm a business owner. But like, yeah, man, um, my, I mean, as a chiropractor, I would say two, 250,000 is probably like realistic and what I, what I would like to hit and be hitting consistently. Mm -hmm. I'm not there yet. Um, and then I actually work with one of my mentors. He opened my office. Um, he's not a chiropractor anymore. He actually is a CEO of car washes now, but he mentors young chiropractors basically to, you know, develop their chiropractic practice and then use that income for other income streams. So that's kind of my personal. Perfect. Development See it? And what I've been going through. There it is. We just got to dig just a little bit. Here we go. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and that's what I wanted to hear because for you guys coming out, like, and that number is different for everybody, right? It is cool. It's fun yeah. to start making six figures. It is fun to get into that. As you shift to business owner, things are different though. Sometimes you have to put more money into the business. You understand that like technically if you pulled it all in, you could be doing pretty well, but a lot of times for business owners, it's, hey, I'm gonna put back you know money into this because if I liquidate those assets, I'll get the money back or, or whatever. I wanna see it grow over time, but there's a lot of different things. So. 
you know, being an associate, we've talked about this in a different podcast, but being an associate, you're working for somebody else, but you're making X amount of money, maybe some some uh, um, some bonuses here and there. As an independent contractor, you're 1099, you come in, you rent space, you grow your practice, and then if you're owning, you're physically responsible for the overhead of that practice, how it's split, you know, you, you have business partners and uh, and how that goes. So the setup of practice, all those things definitely tie into what your actual take home is and you know gross net income all of that stuff so that's cool to see i like your goals i like where your head's at it's it's going to be fun to to watch it grow over time so when you Amen. when I you agree. when you talked about like your transition of of growing right now you went from being an associate or or ic even whatever that was to then you know at the new practice and now you've gone over into the ownership side what has that transition been like was it what you thought was it harder easier give me the good and bad oh man um so we, we're kind of in a unique scenario so the office like i said my mentor he was one of two guys that owned it originally it was opened in Jan- is actually opened january 2nd january 2nd of 2008 so yesterday was what the 13th year anniversary of our office nice that's um, awesome and it was sold to one of the docs at our office in 2015 and then three of us actually bought it in 2019 so there's three owners. Um, so it's a unique scenario. It's it's nice to you know have three people split the overhead, have three opinions. So we always kind of have a third party of when we make a decision, and we we agree on most stuff. I think philosophy wise and just personality wise, we all mesh pretty well. Um, it was cool just to become an owner because I had more say. You know, there was plenty of stuff that I didn't necessarily like about the office, but now I had more say in, which is why I wanted to be you know an owner in the first place. Uh, I think, you know, we, like you said, we put money into the office this year more than ever before when the pandemic hit. We painted the entire office. We kind of redesigned the inside of the entire office. We redid our waiting room, different chairs, all that aspect. We gave raises to all of our employees, even through the pandemic. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. Congrats, man. That's really cool. That's the thing. Pay pay your people. Um, Because we do, I mean, honestly, our, our office manager makes like, top five top one percent of office managers i would say in terms of chiropractic that's good but it's important man and that's the culture that you want to have and develop is you know health and happiness of you know your patients but also your staff no doubt no doubt and making sure that your staff is important and i think part of that is is obviously financially but i do think a big part of making sure that your staff feels empowered comes from the communication it comes from what yes. you what you title them, how you give them leadership opportunities, what you do to see them grow. And then, you know, giving them sometimes it's it is great to like have a, a good, um, you know, good hourly, good base that that we're building on. But sometimes it's nice too. like if you're in early practice, maybe even try doing little bonuses here and there. And this is not me talking to Jordan. This is me talking to the students like, you know, there are options where it's not always a I have to pay more if I don't have more, but maybe as you make more, here's a bonus kind of thing, you know, and you keep the people happy based on on what's going on. Everyone has a different approach, but you're talking about an established practice. So definitely don't think that as a new chiropractor, you have to go out and pay the highest level because you may not have the money to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. We, yeah, we're at, I'm, I'm speaking from a, a different perspective, I think, just because, again, the office has been there for 13 years. We're in, like, a very 
well-off community outside of Indianapolis. It's Fishers, Indiana. Um, Fishers and Carmel, Hamilton County is kind yeah, of the yeah. most affluent county in Indiana. So, I mean, we're you you have to compete in a different situation. Yeah, yeah. You have you have to compete, and you're doing what you have to do. You're competitive with your office. You want to keep those people around because you train them so much into what you do. It's difficult losing a front desk, a, you know, an office manager, receptionist. Have you guys had to deal with that type of transition much? We did. Uh, so we actually, through the transition of 2020, um, we had a massage therapist quit. Um, we okay. actually let go one of our office people and one of our massage therapists got another degree. So she's only at our office oh, wow, like one cool. time a week. So we've, we've definitely had a lot of staff personnel changes for 2020, but it's all been such a positive benefit. Nice. So like I said, we let, we let go of one of our office staff. Um, we kind of had two office managers, so we basically condensed it into one, um, and was able to, you know, give her a raise and give her more responsibility with the office. So now Nikki is her name. So Nikki basically runs our, our office and our front desk. So, so we have two other assistants that she's over. Nice. What do you So they'll go through Nikki first before okay. they go through me or Corey. Got it, got it. Do you consider that initial person, do you call them office manager? Like, do you guys have certain ways that you... Office manager is okay. what we call her, yeah. yep. Because a lot of people want to call them, you know, yeah. secretary, front right. desk, whatever. And there is a there is a different mentality to being, no, you Definitely. are the office manager. Definitely. I, I know that for us, and this is, we're talking, it's myself, a massage therapist, and a office manager, receptionist right now. She could easily be called the secretary, receptionist, whatever, but telling her yeah. that she is the office manager, and I want her to learn everything because one day she's going to be head of 10 people, and we're going to grow this thing, and there's yeah. so much you know empowerment there people know like dude people want a long-term like mindset right like they don't want to think that this is just for today and next month and it's done like where does this go and that's why how how important do you feel it is to empower people in the overall mindset process and let them know hey this is what i see long term for you do you feel like that's made a difference in the overall flow of the office and the mindset and just how people carry themselves day to day Absolutely. Our, I would say the energy in our office through 2020 has improved tenfold. That's badass. We hired, we hired another full-time massage therapist that is Mr. Spiritual Energy Healer. <laughs> like He's a guy that when he walks in the office, you want to say good morning to him. That's and awesome. those are the type of people yep. that you want in your office. You, know? yes. you have positive energy that come in your office, and you're like, hey, good morning, everyone. Yeah. Like, we're, here to, we're here to serve people, to help people live happier and healthier lives. That's awesome. I love it. And it's, man, how, I guess, uh, as we're, it just got me thinking, how important is it to you? We want to build the office. We want to add other chiropractors. We want to add massage therapists. We want to add receptionists. Whatever it is, doesn't really matter what the piece is. How important is it that that piece fits versus just being a body? It's everything. Because I think back to when I was an employee and when I was debating leaving the office and opening up my own office, that was the number one thing that I would always come back to, was what is missing here that really I would change is the energy. Yeah. The energy in the office. That's something that I think is very, not, not bad, sorry, but like that is the number one thing that doesn't vibe fully with me. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I would say... And, and we've changed that significantly. Sure. When I go back to performance, one of the things that I love the most about dropping by in St. Louis is that we bullshit yeah. around. We joke. We have fun. Like, one, that's that's that group of people. But, like, I enjoy that, and I miss that sometimes when I'm here because we just don't have a big enough group yet to, you know, have yeah. everybody in and out and mingling and things. Uh, it's growing, and, and we're doing it in a smaller capacity so that we don't have as much overhead but it is fun. You know, that office dynamic, it makes a big difference. And that's what keeps people around also. Not just the empowerment, but also that mentality. So that's really cool, man. Yeah. Love it. Thanks, man. When you, like, when you were, I guess, going from, were you an IC at your spot initially before you became an owner? Or how, how was that set up? Yeah, so I... I'll just go into the details of the contract. So when I first uh, got out of chiropractic, when I first got out of Logan, I only really seriously considered the office that I currently own and the place I went to in Bloomington. Okay. The place I went to in Bloomington, I chose there, one, because I knew the chiropractor just personally more, um, but two, the offer that I got was just percentage-based. So it was 50% up to 10 grand in collections and then okay. 75% above that. That contract is really dope if you're five plus years into practice. Yeah, that's yeah, really great yeah. for you as an associate. But in terms of starting on practice, that sucks. So I went to Bloomington instead. Okay. After six months there, saw the writing on the wall, wasn't the office that I was gonna be there long term, You know, reached back out to Pro Wellness because they still had not hired an associate because the contract was just not appealing, I thought, to a new doc. So I met with them and asked, I was like, I want $2,000 a month. I want to know that my bills are going to be paid. And then after that, we actually, I think it was even less. So it was 25% up to, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was $2,000 a month guaranteed. And then a smaller percentage up to 10 grand. Cause I was like, I have no problem hustling. I'm a hustler. I can, I can go in yeah. and hustle and that's no problem. But I need, also need to know that I can pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I renegotiated it, told him, I was like, dude, if we can make the money work, I'm in like, that's it. Like, and that was it. That's you got to cool. negotiate. And I, I feel like a lot, uh, not enough people really do try to negotiate a contract, like a reasonable one. Asking for $24,000 a year is not that crazy, especially when it's an office that's been booming for 10 years. No doubt. So and, that, that was what I did. And then it did, after a year of that, I did switch to the 50% up to 10 grand, 75% above that. Because okay. you're hitting that and right. then it's fine. Your long term is better that way. And guys, if, if and that's so the contract sorry no no you're fine go ahead. go ahead the contract that we have now though is that 5075 got it so okay. our our two docs or two employees is that's what theirs is cool i i think it's important to when you on the other side i can see people thinking of negotiate and being a little bit scared if you don't know if you're early on you don't know contracts you don't know what you bring to the table officially like negotiations can be a little scary right the way that i would say tweak that mindset is is don't necessarily feel like you have to like you know car sales negotiate let's switch it over to just ask right what what do you want and ask for it you know right, reach dude. out and just hey what's the worst thing they can right, say is no. is no and that's what happens so much like i like the term negotiate i think it's fun i like to be in that barter type mentality i just get a rise out Definitely. of it uh and if you're kind of salesy you know you do enjoy that type of stuff but from a just general standpoint of growth 
just simply ask the questions, right? If you want to join a practice, ask the doc because chances are that doc doesn't know that you want to join if you don't ask. If you want X amount of money, ask for it. I would come up with a reason why you think that you need that as, as you know, Jordan was describing and, and what he was doing through his process. But make sure that you, you know, if you just throw out, hey, I, I want to make six figures, well, what do you bring to the table that requires you to make six figures, right. you know? And um, But over time, you know, you, you just, you get up the courage to ask these questions. When we do personal injury negotiations or asks, whatever, you know, you want to call it, we get essentially what happens in, in personal injury is that we get, we, we send a total bill over to the attorneys and then they, a lot of times will send us a reduction. All right. And that's just part of it. They reduce your fees and you know, that's kind of how it goes, but they will try a lot of times. This is not a knock to the personal injury specifically to the attorneys. This is just part of the process, but you know, they'll try to reduce you 70%. And guess what? If you sign the contract, send it back, they got 70% because most people are not willing to ask for anything different. If you call them, I mean, yep. shit, I don't know, probably 90% of the time, you'll get some type of improvement. It may not be a lot. There may not be a lot of room, but I mean, it can be a difference of $500. Sometimes I've seen it as a difference of a couple right. thousand dollars. And it's just being willing, you know, have the ability, have the confidence to ask the questions, and then you learn through the process as well. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, whenever I did switch after a year of that original contract, and it was fifty seventy five, mm-hmm. I asked for fifty five. I, I asked for fifty five percent instead of fifty. He said no. That's okay. Yeah. I wasn't going to know unless I asked. Right. right. <laughs> and I was willing to take. I was willing to take the shot. I was like, yeah, hey, can 100%. we do fifty five instead of fifty? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Then it's still in the mindset too. Like I don't think even Jordan getting shut down there, that's not a bad thing. You knew where each side stood. And that's, I think always, you know, it's always part of the the conversation also when you, when you ask people for something like I'll, I'll call a personal injury attorney and you know, it may go a little back and forth at first, but as we're finishing up, I go, look, I appreciate your time in explaining what was going on um, because I always want to make sure that you and I are on the same page. And this goes in business also. I just, I, I see this day to day in that realm. So that's why I always bring it up. But you know, when, you, when you're talking to that person, if Jordan is pissed because he's not making what he feels he should, but he never asked that question, whose problem is that? Is that Jordan's or is that his boss's? That, to me, that's Jordan's problem because he didn't even ask for what he thought was right or what he wanted. Yeah. Because if I'm a boss, unless it's just, I have the extra money and it's out of the goodness of my heart, why would I pay you if you're willing to do it for 30%, you know, I mean, it's just, that's just a straight up business move also. And, you know, it may sound cutthroat, but it kind of is what it is. Like everyone's in the business of making more money and saving money, however they can. And, and that's just how it goes. Jordan, next thing. Yeah. And I think people are just afraid to ask. Exactly. Exactly. So Jordan, name two main things that you did not do well as a new chiropractor that you've expanded upon as you've grown. Name two things. I mean, is there a like specific part or just it doesn't? Like it doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, any generality. You know, generally speaking, generality. Generally speaking, what uh, you know, what are a couple things that you just you didn't know? Was it you didn't know how to network? You didn't know how to adjust very well. You didn't know how to communicate treatment plans. You know what? What were some things that you you didn't do as well that now you've expanded on? Hmm, that's a really good question, Matt. I'm, so, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're digging here. We're digging here. 
What are, yeah, we are. I would say, yeah, I think as anybody, I mean, adjusting people is a skill. And as much as, you know, there's so many people that graduate chiropractic school thinking they're just like the almighty adjusters, that definitely has improved substantially in my four years of practice, no doubt, adjustments have gotten a lot better. I think communication, for sure, I think that's a lot of people's struggle is, you know, your first and second visit with a patient and what your philosophy is and being able to relay that to people in layman's terms. I think that is a huge benefit for me in terms of my social media is a lot of people before they ever even come in my office get my message. So I don't even have to do as much almost because I do get a lot of patients from Instagram because they've heard it before. So there's not even like, they've already got a lot of the, me drilling it down their face every day with marketing that, you know, again, the power that made the body heals the body. (laughs) That's right, there you go. How important, you know, let's, while you touch on social media, how important do you feel like it is to have a presence on social media? And it doesn't have to be, you know, 20,000 follower presence, but just, have something up there that shows who you are, what you do. Talk to me about that importance. Yeah, I think it's just important for me because I, you know, I feel like I'm a voice in the community and I feel like I'm a, you know, respected healthcare professional in the community and, you know, people can go to me for health advice. Um, I think social media for me has been cool because it does just allow me to be myself and allow me to, you know, share my personal life and share my experiences. I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I get a lot of new patients that, you know, (laughs) know about my wife or know that I just had a kid or know like a lot about my personal life, which a lot of people be like, I know this might be weird. I'm like, no, I mean, it's cool. Like I want, I want people to also realize that, you know, you're just a human. Like you said, even, you know, if and when, you know, I have a hundred thousand followers or whatever it is, I'm still just a guy from Oakland City, Indiana, you know, I'm just a dude. Cause I'll even have people now that talk about like me being an influencer and stuff like that from in like the Indianapolis community and I'm like, I'm just a guy, man. <laughs> like that's why I like the how social media allows you to give more of like a personal aspect of your life to people. Definitely agree. And I think as a regardless of if you're a new student, if you're further down the line personally i feel that having some sort of social media presence is good because you look at times even like the pandemic right jordan and i were talking right before we got on here that our networking abilities were cut down pretty drastically throughout the pandemic you know sitting across from each other virtually right now uh via zoom but you know we we are pretty i guess natural networkers if you will like we'll go out we'll take meetings we'll do it with you know, anyone really in the community, but other physicians, you know, gyms, when you're cut down based on the pandemic, because you can't do some of that, it changes your whole, whole dynamic. Like we lost a lot of gym referrals this past year, because not as many people were in the gym, you know, we weren't communicating with those guys as much, there weren't as many meetings and things. But one thing that you can control is that social media is free, unless you want to do paid ads. Yeah, but it all it does is take time. And so just working at it, even if you're not necessarily considered good, just putting, figuring out a stance and and putting out information, because guess what? No matter where things go, you still have an outreach. Like, is it a coincidence that Jordan and I both grew in the business world? 
our following online is different the way that we navigate our pages and whatever but i've also talked to a lot of people that don't really believe if you will in social media and guess what they had a pretty tough year because how are they going to expand on what they do i if you can't talk to people face to face you can't go shake hands how else are you going to communicate you got to figure out something so i yeah no and i didn't even i didn't even give the obvious point of that of social media allows you to talk to thousands of people every single day so even even when i wasn't able to meet people face to face i i doubled down man i felt like i got so i was so much more productive this year in giving back to patients in that sense like i feel like i produced a lot more educational content i started like a weekly newsletter that i sent Mm -hmm. out to all my patient base you know started an actual like email list outside of pro wellness like it's that it's a form of communication that you can give people every day it's not like not believing in social media like there's a huge power in social media just for the simple fact of being in front of people every day i mean that is marketing that's it and like you said it's free exactly like it it's almost ridiculous not to do some form of social media because it's free advertising exactly you don't have to pay people especially once you start producing like quality content people share it it grows it spreads like wildfire right Yeah, quality content, things that people can relate to. Um, You know, talk to me a little bit about the email list because when, you know, we all want new patients, right? It's great to have new faces in. It continues to drive the practice. But I don't think that most of us, I know that this has been a problem of mine. We don't put enough emphasis on the patients that we already have and how we communicate with them. So, you know, the email list is a great way to stay in touch with the people that are already doing business with you that are already bought into Dr. Jordan Burns and Pro Wellness or Element Health and Wellness, whatever it is. So how have you done it where you've taken some of the information from your social media, how you've related over to the email list? You know, coming up with a weekly newsletter sounds like a lot to some people, but how have you made that process easier? Well, that was a huge benefit was, you know, I've typed out I think I have like 700 captions in my notepad on my iPhone. So, I mean, I've got a lot of content in my notepad. So I've done a lot of my newsletters is just copied over captions. I mean, I, I went out, I mean, when the pandemic started, I think I just made a list of like, I mean, there's 52 weeks in a year. So like 60 topics that I could just type up a newsletter about and then I can just regurgitate and add to as I go. Um, But you're right in the sense of, what can I do to communicate with my existing patient base better? Yes, Everybody yes. talks about it. it's easier. It's easier to keep a client than get a new one, and it's been substantial. So every January we do a new patient special. We just decided it's like no matter how much like money we make, we feel like it's important to do a discount once yep. a year. So we do a discount, and I now I never done this before. I've always posted it on Instagram, but now I sent an email to my entire patient base of hey if you have a friend a family member know of anyone that you think could benefit from chiropractic care forward them this email have them reach out to me on instagram like whatever it is and i mean like wildfire really? awesome. i scheduled like 20 i like yeah i scheduled like 20 patients on saturday Fantastic. because of that. that's awesome like e- i feel like yeah e- email is a I don't know if it's a lost art, but it's something that's really not talked about as much of how beneficial it is in terms of business and information. Do you use Because I do get, you know, you... 
Do you use I don't. text also? I haven't okay. done that. I haven't either. I just didn't know if you had explored into that. I know that that's it. like the big, the big sexy thing. I, yeah. I've thought about it because I'm like, you know, I do like I get up early. Like I do always post some type of like thought provoking thing, like on my story on Instagram or whatever every morning. I could easily translate that into a daily health text or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, just, I haven't really looked into it. It just, to me, text feels a little bit more invasive. So if, you know, if, if we're going to send something, it's like we want well, it to it's, be it's hit the home. Gary Vee approach. It though, is. Man. It is. But I, I do think you're right. And that's just me coming from a, a standpoint of I haven't tried it yet. Um, I will say. But the people that get the text want to get the text. They're right. subscribing to you because right. they believe in math. Right. And so that's that's the difference, right? That that's where the difference comes in is is how you do it. If you just take everybody's phone number from your patient list and you send them all text messages, that's <laughs> yeah. a right that that's would a be different a good deal. <laughs> right. So that's how I think that you you start to change a little bit because regardless of who you listen to or whatever, there is a difference between somebody doing general marketing and marketing to their patient base, right? You have to be a little bit more careful with the way that you go about it. Now, yes, I don't. So I'm way more quote unquote controversial on Instagram, Facebook, those platforms than I am in email. So my regular patient base, I'm just giving educational information. There you go. Yep. You know, makes sense. Here's here's why collagen benefits you. Here's how chiropractic helps with a little back pain. Just like straightforward health topics. Yeah. Nothing really of like opinion or bias. Makes sense. And then it's, yeah, that's a different approach. So let me ask you this then. How are you going about your email list? Like how how can people subscribe to it? How are you getting, you know, the, the emails and things to be put into this type of, of newsletter? Uh, so the pro wellness one is just my patient base. So we, okay, it's just our system yep. that the office has. Okay. Um, we do have, we have, we've, we've got over 5,000 emails, I think in terms of like our whole office, but okay, I only it. send my stuff to my, my specific patient got base. It, it. Okay, Cause I, I think cool. it'd be weird to yeah, send to, my stuff to other docs patients. Sure. Um, and then my MailChimp, which is just like a regular Dr. Jordan Burns. I've just kind of slow, that's that's something that's just kind of freshly started. Cause I was like, I cool. do want to develop an email list where it's people specifically subscribe yeah. to Dr. Jordan Burns, not just like you said, I'm I'm taking everybody's email that I just have just cause they're my patient and I sure. send them this email. Yeah, makes sense. Have you explored much YouTube wise? Uh, no, this this year was the first time I really started posting some videos to YouTube. Not a lot. I think I have like eight videos on my YouTube channel. But it's the same thing, man. Like you just notice with any type of social media, it's just it takes time. You know, the people yeah. that have these big followings, it's the more videos they've posted over time. Like that's it. You just have to yep. – I think uh, – you know, we, we kind of talked before when we talked about some some books we were going to talk about like of that have helped me in business. And yeah, yeah. One that I always think about is Chop Wood, Carry Water. Okay. And it's not even necessarily a business book. It's more just a life book about falling in love with the process of becoming great and doing the little things over and over and over every day. Who Who's the author for that one? Is that Mickler? Is that Ryan Mickler? Or uh, Joshua Medcalf. Joshua Medcalf. Joshua okay. Medcalf. Okay, cool. No, I, I like that. It's a very well, simple concept. Check that one out. But yeah. Okay. Well, what what do you feel like continues to keep you motivated every day? I'm sure as a family that's changed a little bit, but where does your motivation come from daily? 
man. This one I think about a lot, honestly, because I think there, there are a lot of things that I consciously and subconsciously think when my alarm goes off in the morning. So my alarm goes off at 4.30. Um, I, I have my phone. I put my phone away probably about an hour and a half before I go to bed. Okay. It's face down on my dresser, so I actually have to physically get out of bed to shut it off. Smart. Yep. Um, Does that drive that your wife crazy? Big time. No, because uh, my ringtone is Ocean by Khalid. And it has like a okay. kind of trancey kind of, vibe okay. cool. yeah, yeah. for probably like ten seconds, and then it speaks. So okay. if I if I ever start hearing the words, I know that I'm tired and I've slept. Like I'm kind of sleeping through my alarm. Yeah, Usually, yeah, yeah. I, I will get to my alarm before the words happen. Okay. So it's just kind of like a trance. So no, I mean she's fine. Yeah. Um, because it, yeah, it's not some obnoxious alarm that goes off at four thirty every day. I've been bad about alarms <laughs> <laughs> in the past, to where I'll let a couple go and buy a couple alarms in i'm getting yelled at you know shut it off but yeah i've been you know i've i think that you're doing it the correct way in the past i've done it the wrong way where i'll set multiple alarms because i've known been i know myself and i know that i'll hit it off because i keep it close to me and i'm like yeah i just want to lay down for a little bit longer but one thing i've noticed is that like you said uh if you get to bed at a little bit better time you get the proper sleep that initial alarm is fine, right? Like you can jump up and knock that off, but when you hit a couple alarms, that puts you into a kind of a weird funk in the morning. Have you done that before? Well, it's a habit. You create yeah. that subconscious habit of hitting snooze. Correct. So one, it was holding myself more accountable, the self-control, the integrity of yeah. I'm going to set one alarm. It's at 4.30. I actually titled that alarm Discipline, and when it goes off, I'm up. That's Two awesome. Two books that like helped that. me, I feel like, with – with that are Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins yeah. and Man Up by Bedros Koulian. Um, they talk about, like, the alarm hitting snooze, yep. getting up every day. And then, I mean, a uh, little more emotional topic. Uh, as you know, classmate Blake Hanger passed away when we were in chiropractic school. And I think of him a lot, man, when I wake up. When my alarm goes off, I think about how, you know, Blake was my age and he doesn't have the opportunity that I have today. Like, he doesn't get to get up and provide chiropractic for people. He doesn't get to get up and, you know, get to have the ability to improve people's health and happiness. And I do think it's, like, an an honor to be able to get up and do that. That's That hits deep, and it it's true. Sometimes I'll think about things like that, even when it's, like, walking the dog or going on a run or hitting a workout when it's, like, you're tired or... You just don't feel like it or mentally whatever and it's like man thank god that i have a set of legs that i can run on because i can't imagine what it would feel like if i didn't or there was an issue and can you imagine like the the only thing that some people want to do is be able to go for a walk or run and like it honestly almost i, know, I mean it, it like makes me tear up just thinking about it because that seems like such a such a simple like everyday act that we do and I mean, we, we take a lot of that stuff for granted. I mean, even, you know, going out and playing golf and it's like, you get pissed about a couple shots. It's like, dude, it's a beautiful day. We're getting to hang out with the friends. Right. Like it's not worth that type of, of stress and anxiety over something that, you know, is, is really a gift. So that, that's cool, yeah. man. I mean, there, I can, I can appreciate that. There are people that, there are people that pray for your worst day. No doubt. No doubt. And it, 
we're definitely getting deep on a few of those, but it's it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Um, you know, you're as you just mentioned. I mean, I guess this is a great lead into that. You know, you're a spiritual guy. You know, a lot goes into your motivation from a day to day, and even what you talked about when you wake up. You can see it with with your online social media posts. You know what what has created that spiritual approach for you you know how does that help you connect with your patients and you know what how does that help you drive your day-to-day yeah I think there's a lot of things so I think you know I think about Blake passing away Uh, my dad had a heart attack three years ago on January 2nd Um, he's alive but like that was a huge paradigm shifting thing in my life and you know kind of back to Blake like I think about how him dying was one of the quote-unquote greatest things to ever happen to me because it shifted my perspective in so many ways and made me so grateful and thankful for like the life that I'm able to live and have the opportunity to live that I try to live my every day as that you know I, I can take solace in the fact that I know I put it out there every day I'm up you know putting in work and if for whatever reason, like I, I died today, like I know that it would inspire and change so many people's lives for such in such a positive way because I know that Blake's done that for me. That's amazing. I know one of the things that uh, a good friend of mine growing up and a guy who's who's jumped on our podcast before, Jacob Godar, um, you know, one thing that he talks about is he's like, I want the videos and the information that I put together. He's like, if if for whatever reason down the road I'm not around. I would like this information that my kids can watch, that my family can watch, that other people that can know what I'm about and carry that tradition on and and know what it stands for. And I'm like, you know, Christ, that that one will hit you deep. But, man, that holds pretty true. Not that you have to be a social media person. You have to be a big video person by any means. But I like the purpose behind it. It keeps a drive. Yeah, and it's, I think, a lot of books. You know, I... I fell in love with chiropractic philosophy after school, <laughs> you know, and wild? I fell in love yeah. with philosophy in general. All the sto- all the stoicism books, all the Ryan Holiday books, Obstacles Away, Ego is the Enemy, Stolens is the Key, like, you just fall in love with that aspect of life and developing, like, you know, a stoic philosophy. Having my daughter or watching my wife have our daughter, we had a home birth in our home, you know, was the most spiritual experience, you know, arguably I'll probably ever have in my life. Like, to think such a simple act created this life. Like, my wife just developed this brain and lung and lungs and heart and this entire nervous system and all of this, and now she birthed this life into the world, and now she feeds this life with her body. Like, what a freaking miracle. (laughs) That's, wild, huh? that's probably the number one thing that I've got in terms of like my spiritual health. Like this year yeah. has totally made me a believer. And I mean, we talk like it's chiropractic. Chiropractic talks about universal intelligence, you know, your own personal innate intelligence. You know, you don't think to make your heart pump. You don't think to make your lungs breathe. Like how does that happen? There's such a spiritual aspect to chiropractic that isn't emphasized enough because it's, you know, woo woo or whatever. But I mean, there is the saying of it's connecting man, the physical to man, the spiritual. Like I love that. I'm not out here trying to say I can cure everybody's indigestion and do all this like crazy stuff, but I think there is way more of like a spiritual and energetic healing power to what we do than we know and really talk about. Oh, that's hey, you're spot on, man. You really are. 
Well, where do you see yourself going for 2021? You know, people put a lot of emphasis on new year, new me, and, and all these goals and everything like that. You know, where do you see yourself going 2021, and how are you going to put some of your goals into action? Yeah, so I think 2020, the number one thing that I learned was focus, like focus on the things that I have control over. I think that's the number one thing that all of us can really, you know, take faith in is focusing on what we have control over. Uh, So like I was talking about earlier, my mentor, Bobby, his four, basically the mind, body, spirit business are faith, family, fitness, and finance in that order. So I think for me, it's focusing on those four more than ever before, focusing on faith, family, fitness, and finance. Um, I, well, I had a patient once tell me the best way to be a good husband is to be, or the best way to be a good dad is to be a good husband. Uh, so I focus on, you know, doing my part in helping Kayla in her first year of motherhood. And then really focusing now that I'm a business owner on building the practice more. Like this is the first year since I was a business owner that I wrote down financial goals for the office not just myself you know social media goals for the office not just myself so i mean then the number one thing is again chop wood carry water daily action on all of those things uh i I would say my wife and i were kind of talking the other night about you know people always have like what's a word for 2021 or whatever and mine was implement i feel like i've done a lot of introspection a lot of studying a lot of, you know, buying courses, reading books, all that. Um, And I just want to produce more content and produce like different types of content. So eBooks, I do have a book idea that I do, I would like to get started before the end of the year. Um, But that's pretty well it is. It's just, I want to provide more of what I'm learning in better, different ways. I love the, the implement ideas is perfect. Because so many of us, we have our ideas, we have our thoughts, we have our goals, and implement is a great way. It's it's putting your thought to action. It's putting the goals to grind. They're different. It, it just makes a lot of sense, and so I can 100% appreciate that. So I, I wish you the best 2021 here. Give Last thing before we, we sign off is I would like you to give our first five audience really a couple tips for success in the, in the real world of, of business and chiropractic. Yeah, I think it will reiterate a lot of what we've already talked about. I think the the number one advice I would give to a new chiropractor or an old chiropractor is stand firm in your philosophy. And again, I feel like it's something that kind of lacked with Logan. Maybe you disagree. I don't know. Um, but I just don't. I don't feel like I personally, you know, cared as much when I was in school. I was so worried about passing tests, passing board exams you know, the musculoskeletal side of things that I wasn't really steadfast in what I believed and what I believe chiropractic did and what my philosophy was. So I think, you know, developing, understanding, believing in and standing up for your chiropractic philosophy would be the number one piece of advice. Um, never stop learning would be my number number two. I think so many people get stagnant. You know, you, you get to a certain point in practice, like I was talking about earlier, you know, you're seeing 125 patients a week, you're making 250K, whatever it is, it's easy to just take your foot off the gas. And and I understand that, but for me, once 250 happens, then what? Like, what else can I use and utilize? How can I better utilize my time to still help educate more people and help more people? Fantastic. 
definitely a soul searching process as you you know figure out philosophy and you know as you yeah. mentioned yeah that that may not have necessarily been uh the focus at logan but i also feel like as you mentioned i mean we were all over the place and even if somebody tried to help us we wouldn't have listened you know like we're, we're trying to do our own oh, things yeah. we're trying to grow and all we no, want to do is learn how to adjust you know it's like <clears throat> some of that stuff and you know what i think they did try to help us at times it's just it's a timing thing it really is it's you know what what what's in front of us right then and we're more worried about graduating and adjusting people and finding a practice finding a home so it you know it all all comes yeah. along last thing i lied one last thing before we take off give me a a interesting a funny chiropractic story that has happened within a specific treatment or just the process in general something that you have a funny so wait, do you want it to be more humorous? Yeah, yeah, give it to me. Yeah. Like a like a miracle. Uh, Either one, you choose. I'll leave it up to you. Okay. Um, I mean, the funniest one I would say is just your classic one. Actually, I do have one. I got All right, one. here we go. Here so we go. So I've got a patient. Uh, <laughs> well, I was thinking because like <laughs> the classic one is when when patients fart and stuff. But like, if I have a patient fart on like a side posture adjustment, I just completely ignore it. Like I had it happen this week. <laughs> I mean, loud fart, and I'm just like, okay, go ahead and flip over, and like just completely bypassing it to me, talking about the next thing, because you don't want to embarrass people. Yeah, um, but sure. so I have a patient that he, he, honestly, he's just hilarious. But he's like 75, and I was adjusting one day, and you know, side posture blew up his low back, and he like made this huge outlandish, like, oh my god. To where, like, the again, we have an open setting to where everybody, like, stopped and looked around. And he looked around, and he was like, I can see again. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just lost it. Totally took the stage. Huh? <laughs> it was awesome. so out of left field. I was like, what? That's so awesome. <laughs> And you know what? I, I completely forgot to touch on this earlier, so I want to make sure before we sign off, I know, guys, I'm dragging this on, but this is this is one awesome thing that I want to make sure that, that uh, Doc mentions here. So you treated Pat McAfee, and, and you've talked about it. You've shown right. it on your social media, things like that. But, you know, Pat McAfee played for the Indianapolis Colts, and then he's got a podcast and all kinds of cool stuff. So, you know, just briefly talk to me you know the the quick 60 second rundown on what what that how that even happened yeah so when i made my social media when you know i started networking more with people in indianapolis i'm not from indianapolis i'm from southern indiana so it was like what's the you know what's the biggest marketing things that i could do what's like the shoot for the moon type thing and that was how do i get you know, either to adjust Pat McAfee or Victor Aladipo, who's a player for the Pacers. So I remember it was, I just started my social media, my Instagram, October of 2018, or no, August of 2018. And I had somebody tag me in, it's now Pat's wife, but Pat's girlfriend or fiance at the time, she had posted some post that said, it was like a meme that said, my back, I may be 20 something, but my back makes me feel like I'm 98. Somebody tagged me in it and I was like, <laughs> you know, this is my time. I'm going to make yeah, a video. Yeah. I'm going to shoot my shot at Pat at Pat and his girlfriend. So I made a funny video October that year um, where I just like punted a football on a near high school football field, took a shot of water because I felt like I needed some kind of drinking reference to Pat just because 
if you know Pat's story, he got like jumped in the canal in Indianapolis once when he was drunk and long story short. Um, but it was water healthy. Uh, and then I just asked Pat, who's your Cairo? And he liked it in October. And then I repurp or I repurposed it, reposted it again in June of 2019. And he just DM me, um, you know, cause I was willing to just come to him. So I went to, you know, his office with him and his staff, they were all like barstool at the time and adjusted them. And yeah, we've kind of had a relationship ever since. So that's awesome. I think it's just a, for me, it's whatever city you're in, you know, I'm in yeah. Indianapolis. So, I mean, it is a bigger metropolitan city. There are people that, you know, are considered celebrities. So like, how can you get influential people? I mean, I, the first time I adjusted Pat, I had a new patient in my office the next day from that. That's that awesome. literally went to a chiropractor down the road, but just switched solely because yep. I adjusted Pat McAfee. It's all part of it, all part of the growth. You got to put yourself out there, right? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, hey, Jordan, it was great to hear your story. I know we're, uh, I, I tell you what, it'd be fun to run one back here in a little bit once we get into 2021 a little bit more and just, you know, catch up maybe six months down the road. Uh, through the podcast, I think people will appreciate a lot. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your knowledge. I know that, uh, that the students and the new chiropractors, young professionals, they'll get a lot out of this. So thank you very much. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. Awesome. Well, guys, I hope that you enjoyed the newest episode of the First Five Podcasts. Guys, good luck in 2021. Wish you all the best. Take care, buddy. Mm-hmm.